This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today, and may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. Listen, we've been talking about Romans, and, and, and I'm just going to get to it. we got time is running away from us. But uh, yeah, we kind of been re- working, crafting, the, uh, customizing the title as we started the Book of Romans. And, and you notice that if you have a bulletin this week, which we, find, we got it, I think this week some of you may have it, is the idea of the gospel in the Book of Romans, the gospel reloaded, kind of going back and, and looking again looking for one more time of what the gospel, the good news of Jesus is. And there's no other place in the scripture better than the book of Romans to do that. Amen? Well, and and last last time, and and I'll just give you a quick summary because we had two weeks ago. I know back and forth it gets a little confusing for me, but about two weeks ago, ago we did say that as we look at the book of Romans, the first chapter, we realize that there is power in the good news, because what is the source of the power of the good news? Anybody remember that? It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Remember? And we talked about, we went to John chapter 20, where the disciples didn't realize the power that was there. They, 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 were, they were all still moaning about Christ being dead, and he was already alive. Or him being crucified. And they couldn't even believe it. And it was the woman that was in charge or was, uh, uh, was told to give them the news, to remind them that he was alive. And so if there's any power, just to, just to give you a glimpse of that, if, if, if there's any power in the gospel, it's because Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead. Amen? If there's any power in your life, if there's any hope in your life, in my life as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's because the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same one available for you and me to transform and to change our lives and to bring us back even from the dead if it's need. And believe me, if it wasn't for Christ, and you, I don't know if you know this, and I think this is the big issue that some of us don't realize that really without Christ, we are just as well as dead. Hello? I don't think we really realize it. I think one of the issues of us that we look at the scripture, Seventh-day Adventists, in, in a so logical method, right? We, 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 we like the doctrines. We want everything to make sense and point A to point B. And we get into the 2300 days and we go back to the dates and what it means to us. And we're so logical that sometimes we forget really our true condition it doesn't matter how much you know how well you know the prophecy the truth of the matter is that you deep inside you are dead you in sin you are wicked and you smell like you're rotten and i'm saying us as human beings because of sin so I don't think we realize that each one of us, we want to think that we're better than the world out there. We want to think we're better than the Baptists. We're better than those who don't understand the truth about the Sabbath. Or those that don't eat as good as we do eat, right? Some of you. We want to think that we're better than that. But the truth of the matter is that the real problem that we have is the human race. And the reason why the resurrection is such a powerful news is that there was no other way that you and I can be saved. There was no other way for salvation. There was no other way for hope. But only that his son, Jesus Christ, will come and take your place in my place. And this is the power. And this is why when the, 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 the disciples 
did not realize that he was alive now, it was time to experience that power in our lives. No more time for mourning, no more time for just thinking that he was still dead. It was time to experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Just, um, you know, last week they've asked me to, to make an appeal at the other church and invite people for prayer meeting. We got to get them to prayer meeting. And those seven and eight that come to prayer meeting, we always want for more people to come to prayer meeting. Right, Brother Oliver? <laughs> We always pray and we're interceding for you and for the church and for all our guests and everybody. And, and, and there's a dear sister of our church that keeps going through, through a church around the area. And she says, that church on Wednesday night is full. People are there. Everybody's there. And we come to Wednesday night prayer meeting. There's the same 8, 10 of us, 12 sometimes. When we have a good Wednesday night, we got 13 good people in here. And we're celebrating because there's 13 people in the church. Hello. <laughs> And I started thinking, and we are praying, yeah, we, we, we are blessed, but you know what, I think, I think we don't come to prayer meeting because we don't really think we need it. Hello? We don't realize, and I know it's difficult, and I made that appeal, and I said, listen, think about this, it's easy to come to church on Saturday. I mean, you, you got this way of doing your life, the Saturday is the day, so you got everything planned, you go to church Saturday, there's really no effort for you to come to church on Saturday, most of you anyway. But to go to church on Wednesday night and pray another hour and a half, two hours, that takes some shifting, some rearranging of the schedules. And, and I know some of you may just don't have, you might be at work or something, whatever it is, we understand that. There's still special cases. But the truth is, I'm beginning to realize, and, and sometimes we just don't even know how much we need the Lord in our lives. But that's not what I'm when I preach to you about this today. Let's go to the book of Romans. Uh, and we're going to do a couple of, of highlights in chapter 1. And then we're going to get into a couple of quotes that I believe are powerful from our beloved Auntie Helen. <laughs> She's been called that way, so I like that way they call it. Ellen G. White. Amen? But listen to this. I want you to realize this. Let's go to verse 7. And, and this is Paul writing it. And I'm going to highlight a few things. And then you go back home. And again, you're going to dig into the Word. You're going to, um, as a matter of fact, I, I, um, I want to join, uh, ask you to join us on a link up. Uh, we might have a link to this on, on, our, on our website soon. We do have it on, on the website of Windermere Church. We're going to begin to start in this Monday um, a Facebook discussion on the book of Romans, on the Gospel Reloaded, and it's called Link Up. And so what it is is two or three questions a day for you to read a passage of Romans and then through Facebook make comments and share prayers and just interact. So if you are in the Internet or if you want to get into the Internet, this is the time to do it, amen? If you haven't done it, it's the time to learn it because you'll be able to share your thoughts, the blessings, you know, the prayers together. And, and we're probably going to work to get a, a link uh, on our website, on our church website. It is in the word, the mere SDA, when the mere SDA online. No, that's not online. What is it? When the mere SDA, when the mere SDA church.org. Before, before I leave, I'll, I'll let you know what that is. It's the Windermere church website. Um, of course, I don't have the bulletin with me because that will be next week over there. But, um, but, but we'll give you the information as we go along, beginning this, this Monday. But so this is in the book of Romans. All right, verse 7. We've, we, we introduced it already. So um, he says, to all who are what? Beloved of God in Rome. I want you to think about this. You and I are, you hear that word? What does it say? Beloved. 
Now, this is Paul talking to the Romans. Nobody even knew, and he didn't know how the church started there, but he knew that if you were called by God, if you had say yes to Christ and you following Jesus, he knew that those people were beloved of whom? Of God. Beloved. Does that remind you of some expression or, or some other instance in the life of Jesus? Remember that? He's coming up from the waters, right? He was being baptized. And Jesus says, this is my what? My beloved son. Listen, folks, this is who we are. This is who you are. I know sometimes life gets tough, and I know that if you are focusing on your own circumstances, sometimes you don't feel as good as someone that's beloved by God. Hello? But the fact of the matter is that because of his son, because of the good news, and again, this is part of the good news, you're not alone, right? It's not only up to you, but you, whoever you are, whatever you think you are doing in life or your purpose is, you are beloved by God more than anything. Hello. And so Paul wanted to make sure that as he begins to talk to the people of Rome, the Christians, that they know how precious they are to God. And I want you to know, make no mistake, you and I are just as much and the same Beloved by our Lord, by our God. Just as, just as equal as we don't, we don't really realize our need of God, sometimes I believe we as Christians don't realize the power and how much we are beloved and we are loved by God. In the same way, and maybe to the same, as a matter of fact, Romans, he gets into that later on because he says that in the same way that sin, that sin is present in your life, and he says the more sin there is what? Grace abounds, Amen. So whatever your condition is and whatever your true condition is, which is a sinful, wretched man that I am, that I am and he talks about that, Romans chapter 8, chapter 7, later on he gets into it and he realizes that he is wretched, that, there's, that he's almost hopeless, but in the same dimension, in the same intensity that he is wretched and sinful, that you and I are sinful and wretched, at the same time, in that intensity, it says God loved us even more. And you know that John 3.16, one of the most favored or quoted verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So the world, you and I are beloved and loved by God. So listen, if there's something that you need to understand today is that God loves you. And somebody told me this is the one of the things that you like to preach about. But listen, there's, there's no better message than that being loved by God. That whatever you're dealing, whatever you're struggling with, God loves you and he wants to take you to the next level and he sent his son and all heaven was entered out for you and he loves you so much that today he's willing to take you where you are and change you and transform and pull you up and make you a better person and make you his son and take you into ways and growth that you didn't even think could happen in your life. Only by his love, only because you are loved by God. I, I want to highlight something because we talked about prayer. And Paul says this, and I know you're going to apply this to me, and we're going to apply it also to the church because it says this. Verse, uh, go down to verse 10. Always he says, well, verse 9, For God who, whom I serve, this is Paul saying to his, I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son, in my witnesses as to how unceasingly I make what mention of you. Always in my prayers making requests. Now, he's praying that he may come to them. But I want you to know this, that Paul is praying for the saints. Amen? 
So yes, it's true. The leaders must pray, you know, and the elders, and I know, I know the hearts of the elders and leadership here, we do pray for our church. But at the same time, this means that if you are called by God, which, by the way, you have been called by God. And he, t- he says this in, 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 in verse 7, in verse 5 and 6, he says, who has declared the Son of God with power. Uh, I'm going back a little bit to verse 5. Uh, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among what? Whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. So make no mistake, this is about your status as someone that has been set apart, that has been called to follow Christ. And because of that, you also, you and I should be praying for each other. Amen. In other words, this idea of intercessory prayer, it's great that we come and, and someone here prays and, and leads out in prayer for, before the Lord, right? We do that together and all the requests come. But how about through the week, you and I should be praying for each other, mentioning each other in prayer, amen? And if we would be thinking that way, if we would be connecting that way, just imagine how much more we will grow together, not only in numbers, but in our spiritual walk, in our relationship together. I'm sure that if you will be praying for me, and, and some of you are, most of you are, I hope, I pray. If not, please pray for us and our family. I pray for you. But the more we pray for each other, then the more willing we are to be patient and loving with each other. Amen? Because don't tell me that you're praying for someone and you don't feel more love for that person. You might. This is why Jesus says pray for your enemies. Because the more you pray, then God gives you this heart, then this true concern for each other. So we got to be mentioning each other in prayer, amen? And this is something that you and I must do because we've been called. So you beloved, we're praying for each other. You are men- we are mentioning each other in prayer. And then he goes on to say this, verse 16, and this is the idea of being called. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up with a few things here. There's so much to talk about here. But verse 16, he says... Um, no, that, that's not 16. He says, um, I have my notes here, 16, but it's not 16. Verse 14, he says this, I am under, this is Paul. Now, we, he's praying, right? And we're praying for each other. He says, verse 14, I am under obligation to whom? To Greeks and to barbarians. Both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also. So Paul feels this obligation, this sense of duty to preach the gospel, to share the gospel with whom? With the Greek and the barbarians. In other words, he, he wants to preach to anybody. Think of the barbarians. Of course, back in Rome, they're the ones who are attacking the empire. Those are the ones that nobody wants. Nobody, want, nobody loves the barbarians. Just think of that name. If you're a barbarian, who's going to love you? But Paul says, I am in obligation to preach to anybody, to the Greeks. And of course, he was Jew, so he was preaching and loving and, and felt this compelled desire and this obligation that he must share the gospel. Now, I ask you this morning, do you and I experience this sense of obligation with Greeks and barbarians and people from Orlando and, and, and Jamaicans, and whatever, whatever, and Venezuelans, and Hispanics, and Anglo-Saxons, because anybody, what Paul is saying is that we must have this sense of obligation to share, to preach the gospel with anybody that we know is in need, but only comes with understanding that you and I are beloved, 
that you and I must be continued to uplift each other in prayer. And then if that's your heart, then the next step is that you will be sharing the gospel. Not only just sharing it because have you, have you heard somebody sharing the gospel or doing something they don't want to do? They don't have the sense of passion of, of, of desire to do. I'm telling you, sometimes, sometimes some things get under my skin. There's nothing more to get under my skin than somebody trying to sing with no passion or desire to sing. For praise God, to praise and worship. Listen, I don't care if you sing hymns. I don't care if you sing praise songs. I don't care the music you sing. But if you're going to sing and praise God, please show your love and your passion. And I tell you why. Because have you heard somebody that's singing and is our God, sing with me, hungry is our God. Help me sing, our great is our God. Have you, have you heard anybody singing like that? <laughs> it drives me nuts. But that's someone that doesn't have and a sense of obligation, of compassion, of a sense of that I must do this. It's the same thing if you share, have you heard somebody share the gospel really just because I have to share it? Just because don't really have this passion or desire to do it? If you're going to sing, if you're going to share, please, that you do it with this desire, with this passion. If you're going to sing, you sing, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great. Even if you do it in, 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 in no note, even if you do it out of tune, how great is our God. I don't care how you do it, but please have conviction, have desire, have passion, have a sense of obligation that you really mean it. The same thing when you come to share the gospel. You can't just share it with because you have to. It's because you have this sense of obligation, this true passion and desire. Please, this is what Paul is talking about. So here, I know some, some of you tell me all the time, well, I, 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 can't, I can't sing. I, we don't care if you think you can sing or not. If you love God, you're going to sing and do it with passion, with desire. Do it however you want to sing out your heart. Amen. But Amen. Someone agrees. No, somebody, I've heard a couple of amens. Praise God under this obligation, this desire, this sense of duty that we have. And make no mistake, you and I have been called. And then I'm, I'm going to wrap this up in the next few minutes. I said that about five minutes ago, right? And this, this is the main thing I wanted to share with you today. Verse 15, and this is what Paul, this is kind of the highlight of chapter 1. He gets to the climax of his beginning he's he's starting the the romans the letter and this is the one thing that he wants to make sure the romans know beloved you know that they're beloved that they're praying for each other but then and they have this sense of of, of obligation to share the gospel then he says this for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to whom to everyone who believes who who wants to say amen you didn't hear me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. This sense of obligation, he's really powerful. He's really passionate about it. I'm not ashamed of the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation to whom? For salvation to those who will keep the Sabbath and will not eat meat for the rest of their lives. Hello. Or is it, or is it for those who will stop you know, sit in and, 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 and do specific things or, or pay tithe. And do. No, it doesn't say anything of that. It says that the salvation is to anyone to whom? Who believes. 
this is, and, and this, this is number one. If last week or last time it was the salve, uh, gospel reloaded, it was resurrection power. That was the number one idea that I wanted you to think about. Today is the, res, the gospel reloaded. And the one word is believe. Get that? Believe. But let me tell you why I want to say that again. And I want you to know how difficult of an issue that we as seven Adventists really have an issue with this. This idea of belief, we have an issue with this. Over 10, 15 years ago, there was a, 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 a survey that was done, the, the Value Genesis study, and it revealed that our kids, they were asked the question, if you die today, are you going to be saved? And our kids were like, oh, well, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. And I have asked this question to some of the older people. And are you going to be safe if you die tonight? Well, I've been doing this for 30 years. I hope that I can make it to heaven. And even not too long ago, Barnard did another study. And out of all the denominations, we have an issue. We, our young people, have an issue with believing for sure that you have been saved. If you believe in Christ, what? You are saved. Amen. So if anybody asks you the question tonight, if you walk out of this place, and by the way, it could have a big truck goes by there on the, on the big now, it's like 70 miles per hour, they're driving by there. If something happens to you and you don't make it home, you are saved in Christ, amen? Or oh, sometimes even for that, if uh, a lightning strikes this building and we start burning together, we will be saved who believe in Christ, amen? <laughs> Somebody's like, well, Pastor, you're pushing it. <laughs> Listen. The idea is not what you do, is if you believe, the power of the gospel is to save anyone who, you, who believe. And if you, if you think that, if you think, you know what, where's my book? I think I have another book. I don't want to get to that. Um, there it is. Steps to Christ. This is my edition. I think somebody gave me one. It must have been my mother. She's the one that kind of gives me special things for preachers. So she gave me this, this little book. And of course, I have it in many different different ways but if if you don't read anything else about Ellen G. White if you don't anything else about Ellen G. White if you read this book which by the way is one of the few books that she actually intended to write as a book everything else and I've explained that to you is compilations but that's another time for another issue for another time so it steps to Christ faith and acceptance this is talking about belief okay the chapter that talks about faith and acceptance this is what she says as your conscience has been quickened by the Holy Spirit you have seen something of the evil of sin, of its power, its guilt, its woe, its woe and, and, and you look upon it with adherence. You feel that sin has separated you from God, that you are in bondage to the power of evil. The more you struggle to escape, the more you realize your helplessness. Your motives are impure. Your heart is unclean. You see that your life has been filled with selfishness and sin. You long to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be set free. Harmony with God, likeness to Him. What can you do to obtain it? Hello. She says, it is peace that you need. Heaven's forgiveness and peace and love in, your, in the soul. Money cannot buy it. Intellect, intellect cannot pro procure it. Wisdom cannot attain, it, attain to it. You can never hope. By your own effort, hello, to secure it. But God offers it to you as a what? As a gift. Without money and without price. It is yours. Listen to this. It is yours. If you will, but reach out your hand and grasp it. The Lord says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as what? 
as wool. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. You have confessed your sins, and in heart put them away. You have resolved to give yourself to God. Now you go to him and ask that he will wash away your sins and give you a new heart. Hold it. And give you a new heart. Okay, let me, let me read that again. I, I missed the, the punchline. He will, now you go to him and ask that he will wash away your sins and give you a new heart. She says, then believe that he does because he has promised. Hello? So I ask you this morning, have you repented? Have you given your heart to Jesus Christ? Amen? So if you have, then he says you, she says, you must believe that because he has promises. This is the lesson which Jesus taught while he was on earth. That the gift which God promises us, we must believe so we do receive and is ours. And there's a chapter, and, I, and we don't have time for this, but you're going to go home and read that chapter on, the, on, cha- on John chapter 5. The, the man that is laying on his bed in, the, in Bethesda. Remember that guy? 38 years sick, without hope, in the midst of everybody was sick in, out there. And he sees Jesus approaching him. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be healed? And what did he say? The same thing that we've been talking about. He says, yes, I want to be healed, but I can't. I just can't make it there. Somebody else gets, goes ahead of me sometimes. But I want to be healed. And so Jesus said, listen to this. When Jesus realized that this man wanted to be healed, it meant this is salvation. You accept Jesus Christ. You want salvation in your life. So all you must do is believe. Jesus says, you need it. You want it. And then the man says, yes, I want it. And Jesus says, the next thing she says is that he says, take up your bed, and walk. And as he says, and you got to read this, because she says that he believed the command. And he made an effort, he just then believed in his words and made an effort to begin to walk, and suddenly it happened. He experienced healing, he experienced salvation because he believed. So I don't know about you, but what you and I are struggling with today, if there is even a doubt, a shadow of a doubt in your heart of your salvation, I want you to know Jesus has saved you. He has forgiven you. If, you, or if you're not there yet, if maybe there's something that you're struggling with and something that you need to overcome, and today you want to say, Lord, I won, I believe, then the Lord says, it is yours, take it, grasp it, grab it, it's yours too. Salvation is for anyone who what? Who believes. I know, and, and, and I'm going to say this, and you've got to be careful, but don't, don't quote me out of context, but listen to this. I know we have an issue with once saved, always saved, right? And the Baptist sounds like once saved, always saved. And, and that's probably not the whole picture. But never saved? That's not biblical. So I, I'm not saying once saved, always saved, but never saved? You can never experience, you can never truly experience the power of God in your life because you're always doubting your salvation, because you're always doubting your relationship, because somehow you're always looking at yourself and you, you, you forget that it's not about you, it's not about your weaknesses, it's not about your dealings, it's about the one who you believe because he's the one who made it possible. 
He's the one who gave his son. And he is the one, when Christ, when God looks at your life, he looks at his son, not at yours. So this, in the name of Christ, you and I are saved.